avenged. You will be avenged. You will be avenged. I will get the Avengers, and you will be avenged, Colson. Bomb Squad! I'm on vacation. Bite me. Fuck yourself. Assemble. Hi, welcome to the Bomb Squad Podcast. I am your host and master of ceremony, Tanner Richard Kraft, and with me I have I'm Austin Zweebelman. I'm Joseph Renick. And we have a very special guest coming on for the first time. And uh, I'm Stephen Thronicek. <laughs> Steven, woo! Steven, tell, tell the audience about yourself real quick. Who are you? I am a writer and director and I am a film critic. And uh, I know Tanner and all these guys from college. Yeah, I'm excited to be here to talk about one of the best pieces of uh, mass media entertainment that Hollywood ever decided to let out. That's right. We're talking about The Avengers, the MCU movie that turned Marvel from a pretty big franchise into a juggernaut. But before we get into our thoughts on the movie overall... This movie's turning 10 years old this month. I was 14. Joe, you were like 16. I was 12. I was 18. So what do you guys remember about how it felt around the time this movie was coming out? I even felt like in the moment that the build up to this movie and the time after this movie that something was seismically shifting in the world almost. <laughs> I know that sounds dramatic, but that's how it felt like to me as a kid. So I'm just curious, do you remember about the cultural hype about the Avengers? Austin, I want to start with you on this. Funny enough, when this came out, I wasn't even a paying passenger on the MCU gravy train yet, right? I watched Iron Man when that came out and I loved it to bits. But it, it sort of sent me on this RDJ binge that mostly just materialized as me obsessing over Charlie Bartlett and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Charlie Bartlett, shout out. But I ignored the other Phase 1 films and basically skipped right ahead to Avengers. Uh, like, the internet told me the gist of what I missed, and it wasn't until Winter Soldier that I decided to consistently go see these things whenever they came out. But I remember the hype. I remember the hype because it materialized in front of me, the way a truck materializes in front of a deer. You see, my first job was at a movie theater. I had been there one whole year by the time that this movie graced our humble multiplex. I was opening concession the day after it came out. Mm. Usually, it's a ghost oh, town no. in the mornings, right? You walk oh, right in, you start popping the popcorn, maybe catch a couple of rogue geriatrics who are really vocally proud of how early they wake up every morning. But Saturday the 5th was different. 
It's like 7 a.m. My mom's driving me up to work. And when we pull up, I see maybe 60 or 70 people standing outside the front door of our movie theater. Like, I'd worked The Dark Knight Rises. I'd worked Breaking Dawn. I'd worked the final Harry Potter movie. But I wasn't there when Avatar came out. I'd never seen a billion-dollar movie like this before. For the next two weeks, we were drowning in customers. I have never worked that hard for minimum wage ever again in my life. Sometimes ushers would walk in just to see how people would react to the puny God segment. And then they'd walk out and start giving these pissed off ramblings about how the after credit scene really cut into their already limited cleaning time. Everybody was talking about it at school the next day, even the teachers. And it's fairly well documented that shawarma sales in this area had a little surge after the film came out. It was a landmark in the history of blockbusters, and I'm proud to have facilitated some people's experience with it. Braver than the troops. They're going to give us so much shit if they want, if anybody wants it. <laughs> oh my God. Are you kidding me? Austin has said so many things about Iraq. Joe, what do you remember about that? Uh, Good that you, Austin. Cultural Good history. <laughs> so here's what I do remember. I was certainly hyped for it. And I knew like the people that I surrounded myself with in high school and like w was friends with at the time, along with at least one of my teachers, one I'm still friends with to this day. We were excited for it, but I don't remember like a whole ton of hype elsewhere. I, I, in fact, I actually remember people thinking that this would not work. Like, how are they going to make all of these like different characters from like different movies just like work in one movie? How, like, how are they going to bring that together and make that work? And even like with that, it's like every movie except for Iron Man, people kind of had like mixed feelings on. Everyone felt like different on Captain America. People liked Thor at the time that it came out, but then kind of forgot about it. Then we don't talk about the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> or Iron Man 2. It's like everyone was just more focused on Iron Man. Like that, that was the one character everybody knew and loved. And then they kind of questioned it. But here I was a kid who grew up reading comics, like other than maybe the Justice League, I was familiar with the Avengers. Like my first Avengers comic was the Avengers Annual, where it starts off with them playing baseball and they all get arrested. I, I knew these characters. I knew that they were fun, interesting characters. And I was like, if people just go in with an open mind, people are going to like this. And then it made over a billion dollars. And then all of a sudden I was just the guy that liked comic book movies that nobody ever really talked to, to being everybody's encyclopedia because then all of a sudden I had people who never would talk to me in a million years coming like they're coming up to me like so there's a new Guardians of the Galaxy movie coming out who, who is this Groot guy and now everyone knows who Groot is <laughs> that was kind of my overall experience was just like I was really excited for it and I, I'm glad other people really turned out to like it too and made it the uh, success that it was back to you Tanner but Steven as the youngest amongst us I'm yeah. really curious about how that was for you it's kind of interesting. Um, my twin, he said something about like consciousness when I with uh, like Stranger Than Fiction, whenever that was coming out. And it's like, <laughs> I was like 12 years old, dude. Like, do you think I knew what was going on half the time? Like I'd seen the first adventure because it came out on my birthday whenever it first came out. 
and uh, it was great. And I really enjoy that still. Well, I saw Thor, I remember, in theaters. I think we, that's one that we got our parents to take us to just because it was another one of these cool looking movies. I remember being like a little bit like thrown by Thor just because it's like, I mean, I, I actually still really like that first Thor movie. I just think it's kind of, it's handsome. It has some personality, which is more than I can say for a lot of the MCU now. It's definitely a bit of an interesting flick. I do very clearly remember seeing this one, though, in theaters. And I do very clearly remember the moment that my brain clicked in and was like, oh, this is working. You know, you, you get that action movie fan like thing where it's like, oh, I am actually feeling this. This is cool. This is cool. And I remember it specifically being Thor falling out of the sky in the little like thing. I was like, oh, wow, OK. They're actually making this work. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I do think the general vibes were even for like little kids, everybody was like, how the fuck are they gonna get Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, the Incredible Hulk, and some of these other guys all into the same movie? Now it's years later, it's like, well. Funny that was ever a did. question. Yeah, well, funny it was ever a question. <laughs> Back then we were like, oh, can we put Thor and Iron Man in the same movie? And nowadays it's like, we're putting three Spider-Man in the same right. movie. Deal with it. <laughs> right. And admittedly, you'll, you'll pick up. We're gonna have to have a conversation about uh, whether or not that is necessarily effective anymore, or whether or not it was ever more effective than it is here, which personally I don't think it is. We're gonna have to go more into like, we'll, we'll, just we'll get into it. How, just how good the character writing here is. That's the main thing. Uh, so I was 14 when this movie came out. I think I was a month away from finishing the eighth grade. Bo Burnham should have made this movie about me. I remember in the buildup to it, I wasn't really a movie guy as a kid. I would watch the movies like my parents gave me as DVDs. So your Disney's, your Pixar's, other anime movies, the Shrek movies, you know, Spider-Man movies. I watched all the superhero movies that came out. But to me, I... I remember even as a kid, like, in my mind, there was this rule with superhero movies, which was every superhero basically gets its own universe to play in. For some reason, that was the perceived rule. Daredevil did his own thing. The X-Men, Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, they were all separate. And I remember as a kid thinking, what's going to happen when they break that rule? So I remember in the lead up to it being obviously very excited to see an Avengers movie, but more importantly, almost curious to see what what does an Avengers movie even look like? And I remember watching it. This was back before they had like reserved seats. I saw that at the Pear movie theater. I remember we walked in a little late, so I had to sit in the very front row. So I had to crane my little 14 year old <sighs> neck up just to watch the movie. Damn. And I remember walking out of that movie feeling like something's changed. Movies won't be the same. And I barely knew what movies were. I didn't watch all that many movies. But to me, I just could just feel something has changed and nothing's ever going to be the same. And boy, was I right with that. Before the Avengers, sure, some superhero movies did really well. The very popular ones, like your Hulk, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, X-Men. But beyond that, it was just a niche interest. I grew up playing the Marvel Ultimate Alliance games a lot as a kid, and I really loved those. And I just loved Marvel stuff in general. I played a bunch of video games of superheroes, and I read a lot of Marvel comics. Before the Avengers opening weekend, it was a niche thing. And then after the Avengers opening weekend, it was fully mainstream. It felt like overnight comic books became the dominant thing in pop culture. And I think the reason why is because 
not only did they pull it off, they pulled it off really fucking well. Yeah. So this leads to our next question. What do you think of the Avengers overall? Joe, we'll start with you. You look eager to go. I watched this movie maybe for the first time since the pandemic started. Honestly, maybe even a couple of years before the pandemic started. So it's been a hot minute since I've seen it. I've always remembered. Oh, yeah. No, the Avengers is a good movie. Sure, there are flaws with it, but you know what? I have a fun time every time I watch this. So just putting it in for the first time in years, and it just starts right out the gate, just mm-hmm. oh, like hitting I mean, the ground they, running. They are literally running. The alarm is blasting. People are uh, jogging. And, uh, <laughs> Nick Fury is, uh, you know, power walking. Until such time as the world ends, we will act as though it intends to spin on. This movie hits the ground running and it just does not stop. It's you hear the this quote like thrown around all the time, but it's no joke. Just a nonstop thrill ride. It's probably the most fun I've had watching a superhero movie. Well, I mean, Doctor Strange was fun, but Avengers is fun. It's been a hot minute since I've had like this much fun watching a superhero movie. It's funny in hindsight seeing where the MCU has gone since because it's like at the time this felt huge. Now this just feels kind of quaint and kind of small. And you know what? That's okay because mm-hmm. it's still a fun movie. We've reached a point where it's like every like single character from all of the movies has come together and this one's no longer that big a deal. But you know what? In my heart of hearts, it's still a big deal. It's, it's always going to be the first one. I will say this. It's like the one thing that I will 100% like die on a hill for are the visuals for yeah. this movie. Why do people think this movie looks bad? For starters, this movie is just much more colorful than yes. most uh, movies like in the MCU nowadays and just movies in general. Second, I remember when we were on the Batman cast and Tanner had mentioned that he thought I was crazy when I was like praising that shot of the Riddler's coffee because it looked like something out of a comic. Yeah. And then I remembered it's like, wait a minute, your now second favorite MCU movie is the <laughs> Avengers, a movie that is constantly full no, of shots. You're, that you're lo- misquoting me. I never said because it felt ripped out of a comic. I said because it was totally mismatched with the rest of the trailer. <laughs> it was okay. kind of interesting. I, I think I don't want to go too much into the Batman at this point, but I do think there are a handful of things that are totally mismatched in the Batman. I, I gotta praise the cinematographer, and I gotta praise... I hate don't to say do it, because he's a piece, piece of shit. Joss Whedon. Wait, I have a better idea. They both have an eye for striking images that have come from comic books. Like, mm-hmm. there are shots in this movie that look sh- like the splash pages. Like, like splash right. yeah. the, like the, the most iconic shot of this movie feels like a splash page. Like, we remember that shot for a reason. The circle shot? The yeah. yeah, it's yeah. the circle Not shot. Not just this movie, the entire franchise, let's it's, be honest. It's the, most, it's the most iconic shot of the entire franchise. Right. It's like, and it's like not even just that. It's like the shot of, like, Thor going down with, with his hammer onto Captain America. Oh. And Captain America's like ducking. You want me to put the hammer down? Or like Captain America running like off of the bridge and onto the bus and the Jatari is like shooting at them. And it's like the explosion. It's the most comic booky of like the Avengers movies. And that's what I love about it. And I will not hear any criticisms about Captain America's costume because of how much this movie feels like a comic book. Yeah, it looks dumb. Have you picked up a comic book before? Comic books are dumb. 
but they're fun. I still think the cowl could have looked better. You know what? Fair, but you know I what? I think it just, what it is, it looks like it's uncomfortable to wear. That's <laughs> probably why people criticize it. And that's why they get rid of that cowl like really early on. But I still like the look of it. And you know what? Sure, it's dumb, but you know what? Comic books are dumb. Comic books are fun. And that is what this movie is. But it's not fully dumb. It's also really smart. But I should probably give the floor off to everyone else because I've gone yeah. on quite a bit. So back to you, Tanner. Steven, I can also tell you're just rearing to go here. Yeah, I am. I am. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I always bring up the fact that, like, I'm perfectly fine with enjoying art made by bad people as long as you initially contextualize the art itself. So uh, I'm just going to quickly rattle off some shit about Joss Whedon. I'm going to use the magical word allegedly here so that you guys are fine. We can't um, get sued. And then we're going to go from there. Uh, so Joss Whedon allegedly makes a very uns safe environment for the people that he works with. Uh, he couldn't be on the same room alone with Charisma Carpenter on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Joss Whedon allegedly was very emotionally abusive to his ex-wife. Joss Whedon allegedly was also very, very bad to the cast of Justice League whenever he was working with them on that film. To say the least of the things that that man has done. Has been accused of. Has been accused of. Has been accused of, allegedly. Yes. Yes. Um, so, Kind of jumping into it. I think that the MCU at this point, this is one of those, one of the films that in the MCU, that initial run, that didn't exactly feel like, you know, that factory style that they have now. Um, it's a film that, you know, you watch those initial movies and they're much more of a kind to the like late 2000s, like action blockbusters that were coming out of Paramount than they really do feel like the Disney films that we're getting now. Uh, and it's because I think The Avengers was the last film that was Marvel branching with Paramount to make these movies before Disney bought them out and completely turned the whole thing into like the Feige factory that it really is today. I, it, it is one of those films that truly deserves the hype. And I think from a writing standpoint and from a filmmaking standpoint, it completely does. Part of that is the fact that it's one of the films that actually understands how to do comic book melodrama on screen and does it consistently. Like, you know, if we're talking about Iron Man or Thor or some of those earlier, you know, films, and we're talking about late 2000s action blockbusters coming out of those major studios, there is kind of a factory style that is a little like, it doesn't really have the, the storytelling basis or the filmmaking basis to back that storytelling up. You know, that's your Louis Leterrier's doing Incredible Hulk. That's uh, Kenneth Branagh coming in here with his Dutch angle fest in Thor, which, you know, looks better than most Marvel movies today still, but it is a it Dutch does. angle fest. But then you get a film like this. The first thing I got to jump to, at least visually in the Avengers, is prime lenses, spherical lenses. This is a movie that is shot for 185 to 1, and it looks startling still. Big movie. It looks like a TV show. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I understand people talking about the film being slightly overlit because I do think like it's a very bright looking movie comparatively. However, I'm a big fan of melodrama. I'm a big fan of like theatrical lighting. I think one of the best films of the past few years, best looking films is The Father because they're actually doing like sculpting with light. You watch like the crimes of the future trailer or so and it's like hey this guy's actually like sculpting with light like we're doing actual like stagey almost theatrical cinematography but it's supposed to still look slightly naturalistic like 
hell yeah, like that's that's what I love. And uh, I think, you know, Marvel's completely lost that at this point. You know, you have the spherical lenses, you have actual contrast, some level of contrast. You have that those beautiful colors, not the most like biggest film as far as depth goes, but like the frame always has like something going on or always has like good leading lines or so. Seamus McGarvey, I think he shot the hell out of this. And I think a good example of that is that initial Loki shows up scene. It's that close up on Loki where it's like, that's a great close up. You see Tom Hiddleston, he looks fucking nuts. He's just like <laughs> grinning. He He's totally sick. ready to go. He looks sick. Yeah. Other than like some of the stuff that James Gunn is doing, no other Marvel film has looked as good as this one. And that includes like a lot of the people that are trying to do import like newer, like stylistic stuff in the MCU, where it's like, I don't know, it just looks really underwhelming to me. But then once you stack that, like all those aesthetic choices that truly work and like make this feel like a real world and a real film and like make it feel like something, then you really get down to the writing, which is just startling. I think what this film has that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 has it. I don't think really that many other Marvel films since maybe Infinity War because like Endgame is a wash and the rest basically all of Phase 4 is a wash. What this film has is a significant sense of those individual characters. And I mean, the, the initial like contrast, of course, like the main contrast is that idea of Captain America and Iron Man here where it's like the... You're not the guy to make the sacrifice play, to lay down on a wire and let the other guy crawl over you. You're a laboratory experiment, Rogers. Everything special about you came out of a bottle. Let's see these two guys really boil each other up. And from a screenplay level, the fact that these guys do end up progressing so much through that script. I mean, it, it feels like a magic trick from a writer's standpoint. Like. So many scenes of this movie feel like a magic trick from a writer's standpoint. Introduction of Bruce Banner is like, what the fuck, man? Introduction of um, Captain America with Nick Fury with then the $10 thing. What the fuck, man? Uh, introduction of oh. Iron Man going up into the portal and doing the whole sacrifice thing. It's like, you know, the Avengers is one of the, one of the main screenplays we can talk about where it's like screenplays are built on absolute bullshit and it is mainly just like does this setup happen does this payoff happen okay i guess what if you get those two things together you create drama and uh like i honestly can't believe how cohesive it still is because you know i was watching dr strange too and i'm like yeah, some setups and payoffs. That's fucking awesome. Like, I love that. And I was like, wait a second. Am I feeling like that's the baseline now where we like get just a handful of setups and payoffs? Because like fucking Eternals couldn't even do that. And it's like, oh, my God, just like a and Tanner's going to kill him. Terrible film. And then you get to um, Shang-Chi, which is like a freaking wash where it doesn't even have a first act. And it's just like it looks terrible and it's. Oh man, and like but then you, you go back and it's like, this is joy right here. This is actual joy. And from a screenwriter's point of view, it's just, it's a, it's a great, it's a great film. script. Austin, Austin, um, last night you said this is 10 out of 10 cinema, greatest movie ever made, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that all of my points for the most part were covered, so I'm just going to sprinkle in a couple of things. I was very surprised to see marijuana mentioned uh, by name in this film. That feels like a sort of yeah. relic of the Paramount days. 
You really have got a lid on it, haven't you? What's your secret? Mellow jazz, bongo drums, huge bag of weed. Is everything a joke to you? It was also yeah. very funny um, seeing them trying to make Scarlett Johansson act like she speaks fluent Russian in the opening wonderful <laughs> chair scene. Mark Ruffalo, too. They also made him speak a language. Oh, man, he's so good. If anyone still owns a 3D TV, I have to recommend getting a copy of this because the sort of wide-angle, tall, kinetic cinematography really lends itself to 3D. Most of my stuff has already been covered, so I want to hear Tanner go off. Okay, as I've talked about in the Eternals podcast, this is the movie that made me fall in love with movies. Uh, before this, movies were just kind of a thing I watched sometimes. And after this, like just two years later, 2014, I'm going to the theater like 30 times a year to now where I'm going to it like over 100 times a year. The best way I like to describe the Avengers, it's a like a perfect blockbuster. It's not like The Godfather or something, but it's not trying to be. It knows it's not trying to be, but it thinks that it can be just as good in its own thing as like The Godfather can be in a way. They're two different things that are like, at that same level of pinnacle of what this type of thing can be, I like to think. I think a lot of it is the writing. This is one of the better Marvel scripts, period. It's really tight, even though it's two and a half hours long. It never feels like there's a wasted moment. Everything feels like it's important towards building tension between characters, tension in the plot, building in the plot, building up these characters. Um, you talked about how good the Hulk introduction scene is. I think it's really good. Not to mention that scene also had to introduce a new actor in the character yep. who, honestly, I think this is Hulk at his best in any of these Marvel movies. Yeah. I don't necessarily dislike how they've used him in the later movies, yeah. but I don't think it's as good as this one because Mark Ruffalo's performance in this movie as a man just constantly on edge. Right. Is so good. It is so good. The fact that they play into that is really important here, too. One of the best lines in the movie is, I didn't see an end, so I put a bullet in my mouth and the other guy spit it out. Like, holy shit. Also, we gotta talk about the most important thing in the movie whatsoever, which is that this is the hottest Ruffalo's ever been. Like, you know, you got that that slight shoulder length hair. You know, you got that slight unbuttoned shirt. Yeah, you got the slight Mm. unbuttoned purple shirt. The chest hair. Let's go. Oh, yeah. come on. Eternal Sunshine Mark Ruffalo. That's the one I want to oh, sleep with. This yeah. Fumpy, yeah. Maybe if his hair was longer, I could buy it. Mark Ruffalo has that big bear I want to sleep with. He was like, I'm straight. <laughs> I, 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 I'm straight, but I can't admit. Mark Ruffalo, handsome motherfucker. He looks Very good handsome man. He looks good here. And yeah. he is so good in this movie. Yeah. It's what I like to say about this movie, and I like all the other Avengers movies, even Age of Ultron, which is easily the weakest one, and I have some issues with it. I think this movie has something that the other Avengers movies don't have because they can't have. This movie feels like when you're watching it, it feels like they made this movie like they had some Something to prove. They had this chip on their shoulder in the sense of we have to prove that this is possible. The other Avengers movies don't have that because this movie already proved they could do it. Mm-hmm. The closest they have ever come to replicating the sensation of this is actually happening, I thought was in December with No Way Home. And I'm not even saying it's close. I'm saying it's the closest of bringing in characters from different universes and movies. It was the closest it ever felt to me to replicating the this is actually happening type of feeling. The writing is perfect. The action scenes are great. It visually looks great. All of what Steven said, I agree with. There's a lot of shots in this movie I really like, especially that one where they're arguing and they're just sort of going through the characters and then it goes 
upside over down and yep. upside down with the scepter, which is just a really great shot that shows how Loki's just splitting them all apart. The character interactions are maybe the best they've ever been in any of these Marvel movies. Joss Whedon is allegedly a piece of shit, but goddamn, this might be the best thing he's ever written because it is very strongly written. And I say that as a big fan of Firefly and Buffy. The writing in this movie is so strong. It's just a mile a minute, snappy, quippy dialogue, but it doesn't really get on your nerves like some of the newer Marvel movies can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it's always it well, it's, feels al- fresh. it's it's always servicing something in this one. That's yeah. what's important. Where like Tony Stark is a quippy person in this film because yeah. he's an asshole in this film, and it feels authentically like he's an asshole. Because yeah. like what I love about Steve Rogers in this film, as he's painted, is. He is completely 100% earnest about basically every, everything that he says. Right! And that's an actual character. And of course, over time, through what are effectively, like, what I personally think are some of the worst MCU films, those later Captain America films, um, over time, that character kind of gets degraded into no, I get a that. much more straightforward, easier to digest type of character. Right. And, it's, and it's not that I think it's necessarily a bad thing that, like, he has to become more cynical in uh, over time because that's kind of the, you know, that's the path that they decided to go with the character. It's just that right. there is a point wherever it's like, this character was really well-defined really early. And the, what they do with that is completely lost by the time that you get to like end game or so in my that's opinion. That's fair. I, I like what you're saying there, how even the quippy, silly lines of dialogue serve a purpose. Even some of the silliest ones like, That man is playing Galaga. Thought we wouldn't notice, but we did. Right. <laughs> Thought we wouldn't notice what we did. That's showing that Tony Stark is sort of like really on top of it, and he's a dick. The one quick example that I can think of is like when Iron Man and Captain America are like trying to get the propeller to like start working yeah. again. And he's like, okay, uh, tell me, what do you see? It seems to run on some form of electricity. Well, you're not wrong. Well, you're not wrong. And then he just keeps explaining it. It's like they just they don't stop and linger mm-hmm. on the joke. They don't hold oh, for a laugh right, track. Right. They just keep going. Compare that to Captain America versus Captain America at Endgame, where it's like I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. I know. The same way Captain Carter can do this all day. All right, (laughs) let's go. It's fundamentally the perfect blockbuster, and I think part of what makes it special is it feels like it has something to prove. It's always going to be the first one to do the crossover thing. Yeah. And it was the blueprint that the rest of the MCU could follow somewhat. Now, what about some favorite moments, and what about some favorite lines from this movie? We'll get right to that after a brief commercial break from... Not Prager you! Yeah, we figured out how to make them stop putting political ads in our shit. (laughs) The Avengers mascot. Hi, welcome back to the Bomb Squad Podcast. We be avenging things. We're going to move on to our favorite moments in the movie. Steven, I want to start with you. Watching it this time, one of the things that like my, it just made me shudder from like a dialogue standpoint. It's just like, hell yes, motherfucker. It was, uh... Stark, we need a plan of attack. I have a plan. Attack. And he jumps Attack. out the back of the ship. I'm like, oh my god! But like, it does not get better than that. That type of thing right there, where it's like, okay, that's that's how you write characters. You want to boil down what works about the movie? It's those two lines right there. How that well, especially comes right afterwards of Captain America being like, "There's only one god, man," and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. 
All right, Austin, you go ahead. Um, my favorite moment is probably Samuel Jackson saying, Recognize the council has made a decision, but given that it's a stupid-ass decision, I've elected to ignore it. And then firing a rocket launcher at one of his own planes? <laughs> the sort of do-it-yourself attitude. He's to try and shoot it. <laughs> That's fine. Like, he is determined. <laughs> All right, Joe. Uh, go right ahead. Take as long as you need. All right, so um, there's this hell site called Reddit, and if you ever look up the name Scarlett Johansson, you will see this gif. It, it, it is hard, hard to ignore. However, I have to talk about the shot of Black Widow whipping a guy's head with her hair. hair. Like, what the heck? Has she been hiding some sort of secret superpower? Or, or, like, and we've just not known about it or what? Kevin Feige, have you not heard of the Inhumans? There's already a hero who has superpowered hair. Oh, wait, you have heard of them. Oh, fuck. But in all seriousness, uh, my actual favorite moment of this movie, and it'll also just kind of bleed in to help with time here. I'm going to kill two birds with one stone because it's also my, it has my favorite quote in it, too. It is the scene where they're all, like, bickering with each other, but more specifically, um, it is... The cell was just in, in case you needed to kill me, but you can't. I know. I tried. I got low. I didn't see an end, so I put a bullet in my mouth, and the other guy spit it out. That hits, like, really hard at home for me personally as someone who has tried to commit suicide. There's, like, an emotional, like, attachment to that kind of line. Also, it just, like, that is a scene that, like, says so much about what Bruce has been up to since... I, I don't even know if we even count the Incredible Hulk, but... It we do, just, it counts. Okay, but it... it, it says abomination in She-Hulk! <laughs> but it says a lot about the character, like, without having to, like, get in to like too much detail it's like and i had a bit of fun with this too on this current rewatch because i was considering like alternate castings and i'm like don't get me wrong i would not change a thing about mark ruffalo and he delivers this line with such finesse and like such care it's like you feel for this guy that being said um i do remember the one like almost cast that we got and i've been spending a little bit of time with him as of late i try to imagine like david Duchovny delivering this line um and you know what i think he would have been able to pull it off i don't know if he would have been able to pull off the rest of the MCU, though. I, I think we ultimately got the correct choice, but you know what? I would not have complained. Um, my favorite moment is the entire third act. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's the movie. The it's movie the just explodes for thirty minutes. After, I'm allowed to yeah. say that. Yeah, you can. You can. Yeah. If I had to pick a specific part, it's the tracking shot. Yeah, <clears throat> the combo there, where they go through all the parts of the battle. Yeah. That is really cool. Yes. Um. However. And this is actually going to transition to my answer for the next question. I think my absolute favorite, 100% favorite bit in this movie, the best line of dialogue in the movie, and I think the best line of dialogue in any MCU movie. That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. And boom! Oh! I remember watching Chills. Every time I watch this movie, I'm always angry gives me chills. Well, then the chills, like, up, because then it cuts to the most iconic shot of all yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and then it just goes, like, oh, what a, like, that little section right there to transition straight to the circle shot is just... That is one of my favorite lines of dialogue in a movie, like, ever. Which, I know... It's really simple. It's not saying a lot philosophically or whatever. It's so simple, but that's what makes it so perfect. But the part where Cap tells everyone, 
all those cops to do a thing and the cop's like why should we listen to you then he knocks out four of the aliens <laughs> and the cop immediately starts reciting what he did word for word is great he's got a uh, uh that's just previews this is this is opening night and loki he's a full tilt diva it's a monument built to the skies with his name plastered I love that. If we're talking about dialogue, I think there's a cushioning element to a lot of the dialogue here that makes a big freaking difference. Uh, that comes in, it just character, it just highlights character. Again, like Loki is a full tilt diva. He's going to do it in New York. He's going to do it like that. And then right before the I'm always angry thing, uh, or right after it, he Captain America, he says, um, Loki's gonna keep this fight focused on us and that's what we need. Without him, these things could run wild. And it's like, okay, well, at least we have some context as to where the, how big the scope of this battle is truly gonna get within the city and how it's the, like, how that's gonna play out kind of like that. And I think that type of like cushioning does the film a lot of good. You just reminded me of another one of my favorite lines. And Hulk. <sighs> Smash. If anything, something that Whedon at least does terribly well in this film is he always ends specific segments and rhythms of dialogue with a very specific type of, there is like a setup and punchline element to that. Um, I mean, again, yeah. the, uh, the we're going to assume that the, if the world will continue until it doesn't type of thing. Just bam. Um, a door uh, opens from the uh, door opens from two ways in the first five minutes as well with the Tesseract thing. Oh, bam. Or it's there like, must be something on the door opens from both sides. You're just oh. ending on these like really rhythmically interesting lines that also tell you so much about how these characters are going to interact with each other. Yeah. I also think in terms of humor, I think the hardest I laughed this most recent time was Loki is beyond reason, but he is of Asgard, and he is my brother. He killed 80 people in two days. He's adopted. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a good it's line. So good. It's just, yeah, it, you can't deny right. it. Steven, what about you? What's the favorite line? It's one of those lines somewhere wherever Iron Man's threatening Loki on the, in the top of the building, where he's like walking out with, from the bar. He's like, you want a drink? I have an army. We have a Hulk. That's good. We have a the, Hulk! Um, uh, oh! I think the, um, uh... Because we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn well sure we'll avenge it. I, I think that Fuck. Downey Jr., that's the best the greatest movie he ever, ever made. got <laughs> in this whole series. Like, he's just... It, it's that bravado. It's that sense of, like... But the fact is that all of that does actually have, like, a lot of character utility and just the script utility. It's not just fluff on top of everything. It's just, I don't know, it just works works like gangbusters. The, uh, the billionaire playboy philanthropist line is great. Um, Take that off, what are you? Genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. You're not the type of one to make the sacrifice call. What are you once you take off that suit? Billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, shut the fuck up. You know, that type of thing. God, Just shut it's his ass so down. good. Austin, what about you? What's your thing, Pilates? What? It's like calisthenics. You might have missed a couple things, you know. Doing time is a capsicle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about capsicle. Yeah. Seen a bit of mileage and you've got the uh, blow stick of destiny. One just popped into my head. Sorry about this, guys. It's the, um, uh... Take us to the water. We're flying blind. Is the sun coming up? Yes, sir. Then put it on the left. Get us over water. <laughs> <laughs> you just made me remember something. Henry Dean Stanton is in this Harry movie. Henry Dean Stanton is in this such a great line. You've got a condition. <laughs> Are you an alien? No. Well, son, 
you've got a condition. I who that guy was. Stanton's oh, Harry man. Dean Stanton. He's just in this movie as a cameo. Oh, oh, Harry Dean Stanton. Imagine Spider-Man No Way Home, except Ned opens a third portal and Henry Dean Stanton. No, no, but specifically, Harry Dean Stanton from Paris, Texas walks out, and like the portal, <laughs> the portal is just the the two-way mirror, except it's only Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man on the other side. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm gonna have to cut out most of it, but who's ready for a few pieces of fun trivia? I got one, yeah. Steven, what was your thing you said you wanted to share? Okay, so uh, the one thing that I want to bring up, which I saw er like earlier, is that uh, the Polish filmmaker who made Deep End and all that stuff, Jerzy Skolomowski, shows up in this movie really what? early. He's the Russian Wait, general with Scarlett Johansson. What? That's, oh, really? that's that guy. That's that? Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, he has a Damn. film at Cannes right now called EO. I also wanted to say that uh, he's co-written a film with a person. It's going to be really disappointing and bad when you hear who the person is. Uh, he who is co he the new Roman Polanski movie. Oh! oh. So that didn't even something. come up in yeah. IMDb at all. That is cool. Yeah. I mean, not the Roman Polanski part, but the right. Roman Polanski bad. Just put that in big, bold letters, Austin. <laughs> the after credit scene was filmed after the world premiere of the movie. And they actually, Chris Evans, the reason why he's putting the, the his hand on the side of his head is because it was a wig that didn't fit that well. And he had a beard because he was filming Snowpiercer at the time. <laughs> okay. The thing about this man is playing Galaga I brought up earlier, Robert Downey Jr. improvised that. Hulk wow. screaming at Iron Man to wake him up was improvised by Mark Ruffalo during his mocap performance. Joss Whedon suggested the Marvel that there should be a bigger villain plotting behind the scenes, which enabled Loki to conquer the Earth, and that someone should be Thanos and the executives rolled with it. No, that wasn't some grand plan. That was just Joss Whedon's idea. Yeah, it's just a bunch of people making shit up, which is, I like the kind of making shit up energy of those initial movies. I'll say that much. Me too. Yeah. Wait. I have a better idea. Louis Latier, who directed The Incredible Hulk and is directing the new Fast and Furious movie, I guess, wanted Mark Ruffalo for the role of Bruce Banner before Edward Norton was cast. Okay. So uh, I guess it was uh, always meant to be. Originally, there was a version of this script where Ant-Man and Wasp was in the script, but apparently he cut them because there'd be too many characters, and Marvel specifically told him he couldn't use Ant-Man. You know there's that thing where Loki shoots a German police car and it just sort of skids over? Yep. That was an accident. It was supposed to flip. It just failed to. Well, it looks cooler now. It looks fucking it great. It does look yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, it looks way cooler. What a happy accident. It looks like uh, otherworldly, that the thing just like flies away. When Robert Downey Jr. wakes up after making the sacrifice play, he was in the script. He just says, what's next? Robert Downey Jr. thought that sounded boring. So instead he said he improvised the let's go get some shawarma. There's a shawarma place down here thing. And he single handedly caused shawarma sales to skyrocket. <laughs> Fun fact, this at the time was the highest grossing movie not directed by James Cameron. With the big boys now. Uh, Lou Ferrigno helps voice the Hulk in this movie. The CGI Hulk's body was modeled after a Long Island bodybuilder and male stripper named Steve Rom. <laughs> Gay shit, let's go. The Pentagon said that they couldn't re reconcile the unreality of S.H.I.E.L.D. and our place in it. The Pentagon didn't like the implications that the U.S. military would also not answer to the U.S. government. Essentially, the Pentagon didn't contribute any funding or involvement in this movie like they usually do for these movies because they thought S.H.I.E.L.D. was confusing. And in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, is that why the thing that happens in The Winter Soldier happened? <laughs> <laughs> there might be part, that might be part of it. Didn't the U.S. Army actually help fund it? 
instead of the Pentagon, though? Yeah, the U.S. Army helped fund this movie. They just lost the Pentagon support. They still got the Army. At one point, there were some two directors that were allegedly attached to the direct. Joe Carahan, before Joss Whedon, and apparently John Favreau was apparently straight up attached to direct at one point, but he instead just stayed on as executive producer. Originally, the after credit scene was going to be Rhodey showing up, but just too late. They later just turned that into a comic before <laughs> Iron Man 3. Walking mm-hmm. Phoenix was rumored for Bruce Banner? Wow. At his age at the time? Huh? Yeah. That was the year the ma- of the master, though, so he's like kind of the, the twitchy the twitchy thing going on there. It actually took Marvel three tries to get this movie a PG-13 rating. <laughs> Literally just because of the Coulson death scene. Wow. Every time the they originally had a shot of the scepter going through with the blood and everything. And no matter how many times they tried to cut away from, like, no matter what, if that shot was in the movie, they, the MPAA gave it an R rating. So they had to cut it to a Thor reaction shot and a close-up of Coulson reacting to it in the sound effect. They couldn't actually show the scepter going through. Oscorp Tower was almost in this movie. They actually had an agreement with Sony to put the Oscorp Tower from the Amazing Spider-Man movie in this movie. They had it agreed to. The problem was they hadn't finished rendering it. Uh, A lot of the city was already modeled. It was too late in the process. Very funny. All right, guys, final thoughts. Steven, we'll start with you. Anyway, I'm going to go on a long tangent about the uh, the no! character in Doctor Strange 2. Ah! Um, you can't go long! No! Okay, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good movie. What, what, what else am I going to say? Uh, fuck Joss Whedon. Really good! Uh, it, this is a good movie, though. Yeah. Joe? I love this movie. It's, like, top-tier MCU, arguably, like, top five best blockbusters of the last... I would say 20 years. This century. It's one of the best blockbusters ever made. It's really that good. If if you've not seen it, you're the only one who hasn't. Go watch this movie if you haven't. Austin, go. This movie is like an excellent jewel in the MCU's crown and a freaky, unsettling reminder of how great Joss Whedon films used to turn out. Uh, This sounds silly to say, but the MCU is kind of a silly place. If you're looking for a tighter, gigantic movie with six main characters instead of 30, I would say go watch this. It holds up nicely. Yes. It does hold up very well. Uh, What can I say that I haven't already said? This movie changed my life. It made me fall in love with movies. It fundamentally put me on a path to meet you people. So this movie made my life worse, actually. Hold on a minute. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love you guys. It changed my life. It's a great movie. It's the perfect blockbuster. Go check it out. But, 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 but. Do you guys know what else assembles to do a thing? What? Me. You watching slash listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for assembling to do that. If you are listening to this podcast on any of the audio platforms we're on, thank you also very much for listening. Please go ahead and leave a review. Helps boost us in the algorithm. Maybe every website I read contradicts the last, so I don't know anymore. If you're watching this on Spotify video, hi, I don't think we cursed too much this week, but if we did, welcome. Yeah, how about you mosey on over to our Patreon and uh, give us money because I can't monetize Spotify video. I can't figure out how, so please give us money. And uh, if you're watching this video on YouTube, listen to Steven as he plugs something if he wants to plug anything. Uh, no, uh, uh, fuck capitalism. No, I'm not gonna plug anything. And if you were watching the video on YouTube after you listen to that plug, thank you all so very much for watching. Uh, go down in the comments section below and let me know. What do you think of the Avengers? What do you remember of the hype surrounding that movie both before and after? What's your favorite part of this movie? What's your favorite line of dialogue in this movie? And finally, if you know what the GIF is, please comment below. You may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're down there, please go ahead and hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit the subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon so I can break into your home and show you that I'm always angry. 
Thank you very much for watching, guys. Tune in next week where we uh, do a very fucking different movie hosted by Austin. Austin, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're talking about the new Robert Eggers film, The Northman. <laughs> Woo! Very different. Very, very different. Very but different. tune in then. It should be fun. We'll have a couple of guests. It'll be a blast. Thank you again also very much for watching, guys. I'll see you next time. Bye! Bye. Son, you've got a condition.